right, everybody. Hey, good to see everyone. All right, how many guys still love Jesus and excited to be at New Life Church today? Come on, let me hear from you. All right, all right, that is great. Hey, my name's Jeff. I uh, get the privilege of being the lead pastor here at New Life Church, and I want to welcome everybody here at our Carney campus. Um, all of you that are worshiping with us at our Ogallala campus, God is doing fantastic things in the lives of people out in Ogallala. And all of you who are worshiping online, like my friend Ian is doing right now. So guys, thank you so much for being a part of New Life Church today. And I hope that today's message is encouraging to you. We are continuing our teaching series in the book of James. So if you have your Bible, I just want to encourage you, open it up right now to James chapter 3, because that's where we're going to be. All right, but look, I'm going to, I'm going to just be like incredibly transparent with you right off the bat here on this message. This message is going to step on all of our toes. All right, so just get ready, get ready. It's not one of those like, I'm going to berate you. That's not, that's not my heart. I'm never that way with the gospel. And if I ever am, God forgive me. That's not the preacher I want to be. But I am going to say this, that what James talks about is so practical that it's going to step on our toes because in one way or another, you are going to find yourself in James chapter 3. So James is this book that is like designed to give us the practical instructions for living out this faith that we call Christianity. And if you're here today, then your desire is to pursue Christianity. You might be here listening to this message and you're wondering, is Jesus who I want to follow? Is Christianity what I want to commit my life to? And then I look around here at the Carney campus at least, and I know out in Ogallala today that there are many of you who have already gone all in. I mean, you've abandoned yourself to the mission of Christ and to live your life for him. But it doesn't matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum. Today's message is going to speak to you, and you're going to find yourself in one way or the other. I, I probably, if I, if I could title this message, I would have titled it this, Our Big Mouth. That's probably, that would have been a great title. Uh, you know, instead of saying your big mouth or my big mouth, it's our big mouth. And, and this, this passage is really talking about the tongue and how the tongue has power uh, to bring life and has power to bring death. Have you ever heard that old statement? Um, it it kind of goes like this, like open mouth, insert foot. Right? Have, you ever, have you ever had a moment in your life where you had an open mouth, insert foot moment? Now, you don't have to raise your hand because I know this, all of us have done it. Some of us more than others. That is true. And don't nudge anybody right now. All right? But some of us have this, like, like, it, like this thing that keeps happening over and over again where we keep opening mouth, insert foot. We get a look at those things, okay? Some of us are more like you know, the average person, which is like periodically it happens, and it's really uncomfortable, and it's really embarrassing at the same time. But one of the things about our words, though, that are interesting is that our words end up doing some amazing things. They, they, they reflect who you are, and they really define your beliefs. Like the more a person talks, the more you discover who they really are. The more a person talks, you discover what they really believe. And then you couple that with actions, and then, man, you really have a closed uh, case on who a person really is and what a person really believes. So James, he says, look, in chapter 3, he goes, I'm going to speak to this tongue that has the ability to bring life 
and to bring death. I want to talk to you about how this tongue can, you know, really cause a lot of harm and damage. But in the flip side of it, he's also then uh, juxtaposing it with this like, well, then it also has the ability to bring life. But can you allow it to do that? So let's look at James. Open your Bibles up with me to James chapter 3. I want to look at uh, verses 1 through 10 really quickly. And then we're going to come back and we are going to uh, break it down. So it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach, I like how he includes himself, we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Uh, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn where the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In verse 5 he says, though, that in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Pretty strong words. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poisons. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and cursings come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters... This is not right. <laughs> wow. I think the big question that we need to really kind of throw out on the table today for us to try to get an answer to is this. Can the tongue be tamed? That's the question. Right? Now, I get it. You, you want a knee jerk in your response because of maybe what you just heard or maybe because you've been around church a long time and maybe what your core belief is about who God is. But I think the big question that we're going to try to answer today is can the tongue be tamed? I would just say this to you, that at face value, what James throws out there in verses 1 through 10 gives this indication that the tongue is untamable. He kind of gives that indication, but I know the ending it's like living our lives and we go through difficult seasons, but we already know what the book of Revelation says. We already know how this world ends. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that there is eternity for those uh, you know, who, who have followed Christ to spend eternity with him in heaven. It's like that even with the tongue. So although it appears in this passage that it indicates that the tongue is untamable, I know this, God wouldn't set us up for failure in this way. So we've got to dig into this passage and we've got to see really what the truth is because in face value it seems as if it's untamable. Well, right off the bat we start to learn that the tongue has enormous power. Not, I mean, yes, power of, of life and death. It's enormous though. It's like, man, you can do some real harm or you can do some amazing good with the words that you say. And we see this like enormous power right off the bat in verse 1 where James is saying this to all of us. Right? He's speaking to you and to me right now. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. He, he says, look, here's how much power the tongue has. Teachers like Jeff Baker, right? Teachers 
are not only going to be judged for their personal life, but they're going to be judged for their influence. And can I just take it one step farther? And not to say teachers like in a public school setting, but to say leaders, all leaders, you need to understand leaders that are in this room. You lead organizations. Maybe you are a teacher. You lead a classroom. You're a manager. You lead, right? You're a business owner. You lead. You're a parent. You lead. You're a grandparent. You're the patriarch of the family. You lead. All of us have, have influence in some way, shape, form, or another, and that means all of us are leaders. I need you to know right now, leaders, your words have power, and your words have power to affect the way people think. Your words have power to affect the way people believe. Your words even have power to affect other people's behavior. Words have power, and words have influence over people. And they have that for the good, and they have it for the evil. I don't know about you know, when you were born or not, but in 1978, a horrific, horrific thing took place with a bunch of Americans living out of America. Jim Jones convinces 900 men, women, and children, they believe 300 of them to be, about ch- to be children, convinces them to drink a cyanide-laced punch to commit a murder-suicide. Th- that's the power of words at work over time through a cult leader that causes people to take their own life. Now look, if you know the whole story, it was a pretty horrific situation. But it doesn't, it doesn't justify the fact that you know, his words were the words of evil and his words influenced people in a way that created great destruction. But you compare that then to the great evangelist Billy Graham, who spoke to over 215 million people And in speaking to that many people, many of them surrendered their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ for the very words he was speaking. As he was speaking the very heart of God, he influenced people into a relationship with God to transform their life for eternity. That's power in the words. That's why Proverbs 18, 21 is so true. That the tongue can bring death or life. So you're not Jim Jones, thank the Lord for that, and you're not Billy Graham, although some of you think so. (laughs) You're neither of them, but yet your words still hold power and they still have influence, and and you are still influencing the behavior and the thought and the actions of someone somewhere on this earth. And, And here's the amazing part. The average person speaks about 150 words a minute. Now I get it, some of you speak more, okay? Primarily ladies, all right? And men, we need to probably pick it up a little bit, all right? Some of you don't speak enough. But on the average, the average person speaks 150 words per minute. Now check this out. That's a lot of opportunity to speak death or to speak life. And words are sticky. Words are really sticky. Words stick in our heart, they stick in our emotions, they stick in our memories, they stick in our mind. And and some of you, you've got words, unfortunately, that you remember that were spoken to you in hurt and in pain. They were spoken to you out of someone else's brokenness and they have stuck to you. Some of you still remember the hurtful words that were said that you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ignorant, you're not a great leader. You should be fired. You're fat. 
You're slow. You'll never be as good as this person, that sibling, this other leader. You've heard those words, and then they've stuck to you. And those words are hard to get, get out of you. They're hard to get out of your mind. Smell will bring those words back. Uh, watching a TV show and seeing something happen will bring those words back. In this sermon, unfortunately, and I didn't mean to cause pain, but just by mentioning some of those things, some of those hurtful words are coming back. That, that's the power of words at work right now. That's how sticky they are. But on the flip side, if negative words can have that kind of power, positive words can also affect a person's self-esteem, and they can also affect a person's behavior in a good way. My grandson, oldest grandson, right? Aiden Thomas Pirtle, 10 years old, thinks he knows it all. A couple weeks ago, and they live in Omaha, a couple weeks ago, uh, I get a phone call, and um, it's, Dad, we don't know what to do. We need some help. All right, well, what's going on? Uh, Aiden, Aiden ran away from school. Oh, man. Yeah, he, you know, and the, the concern is, num- there's so many facets to it, right? Like, what's really going on? What's in his head? What's in his heart? Does he know that if he runs away from school, someone could, like, snatch him up and then he never comes back again? Thankfully, a neighbor to the school calls the school and says, hey, there's a kid hiding behind my bush. You guys aren't doing something off the school grounds, are you? <laughs> the good news about a 10-year-old is that they think they know it all, but they don't, right? They don't understand the power of network. And so I, you know, I'm trying to help my, my, my daughter and son-in-law and trying to speak some life into them, trying to encourage them in this moment where they're distraught and, you know, they're trying to work with the school and the school's doing a great job working with them. And um, I know that they love Aiden. And so I'm just trying to invest into them. Well, a week ago, I got a chance to be in Omaha and Kim and I said, hey, let's invite Aiden and Ailey, his sister, and let's, let's invite them to hang out with us for the day and spend the night with us in the hotel. And then, you know, we'll swim and we'll bring them back the next day. And I said, perfect. And in my heart, I was like, I'm going to be part of the solution here. And so while we're with them, all of a sudden, okay, on Friday night, I just randomly say to Aiden, Aiden, I'm proud of you, man. And he looks at me with those eyes of doubt and he says, why? I didn't expect that reply. But when I got that reply, like, what are you proud of and why are you proud of me? I, I sensed this crushed little 10-year-old who has made so many wrong choices that he feels, he feels confined, he feels crushed. He's been grounded from everything that you can think of, all right? That you can ground a kid from, he's been grounded, and forever. And you can sense this kind of crushed little kid. And I go, well, Aiden, it's because of what you just did to your sister. That's why I'm proud of you. Oh, okay. And then for the rest of Friday night, I kept finding things. I could tell Aiden, I'm proud of you for that. I'm proud of you for what you just said. I'm proud of your, your attitude. I'm proud of the fact that you obeyed. Aiden, I'm proud of you. I just kept driving it home. Saturday morning, we wake up. Aiden, look, I'm proud of you, man. Thanks for packing your bag. Hey, I'm proud. I just kept driving home the word, I'm proud of you, proud of you, proud of you. Okay? And I just kept using all illustrations that he did to reinforce his behavior. Using my words. I didn't have to. I chose to. And many times with our words, that's the delineation. We, was, we withhold 
positive reinforcement of one another sometimes when we should be giving it because this world is full of corruption and it's full of decay and it's full of this poison that's eroding us on the inside and we need to be the antidote that's bringing hope. I keep telling him I'm proud of him. Then he gets home and his mom calls later that night. I don't know what you did to Aiden, but he's so happy right now. He said to me, Papa said I was a good kid. Papa never said he was a good kid. That I remember. I just kept reinforcing the behavior of a good kid. And isn't it amazing that the interpretation in a 10-year-old was that Papa said I was a good kid. Our words have power, guys. That's what I'm trying to drive home. If you're a parent, can I just give some friendly parent advice right now? Maybe even some management advice. Speak to the child you want, not the child you have. Speak to the child you want, not the child you have. You should be the one that rises above the moment of behavior and sees the child you want and starts speaking into that moment instead of caving to the behavior and lowering yourself to them and falling apart emotionally and verbally and spewing out more damaging words. We can speak to the, to the employee we want. We can speak to the child that we want. And I'm telling you, those words have power and influence. You might have to speak until you're blue in the face because they've been so demoralized. They've been so tore down. But you keep speaking to the person that you see that they can be in God's eyes, not the one that they're acting like right now. Why? Because your words hold power. They're either a weapon that's going to bring destruction and harm, or they are like words that are building a healthy muscle of self-esteem, almost as if your words are like protein for the soul, building it up. So the tongue has power. We know this. But can we tame it? Can it be tamed? Well, James chapter 3 says this, and I want you to read it with me, right? Because these are the encouraging words of James chapter 3. Read it with me. No one can tame the tongue. Isn't that encouraging? Man, that's encouraging. No one can tame the tongue. What in the world? What am I supposed to do with this, right? What are we expected to do with this? No one can tame the tongue. What if it actually said, no one can tame weight gain? Would you go out to the store today and just go, look, that's a license. I'm buying all the ice cream on the shelf. I'm going home. I'm turning on Netflix, and I'm going to gorge myself. Well, no, you wouldn't do that after the first time, okay? You would do it once. But then after that, ice cream's not going to sound good anymore. Right? So what does this mean for our tongue? Just because James says you can't tame the tongue, does this give us the license to go and say whatever you want? I know you wish that it did, but you can't. Why? Because that's destructive and harmful behavior. Listen to what else James says about the inability to control the tongue, going back to verse 2. He says, indeed, we all make mistakes. Come on, that's all of us. We just turn to somebody and say, hey, that scripture's talking about you right now, all right? <laughs> right, just in an encouraging way, just in an encouraging way, right? Yeah, that scripture's talking about you. Be careful, husbands, be careful. Be very careful, all right? Hey, that, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be what? Perfect. And could also control ourselves in every other way. 
I mean, listen to this. Listen to this. This is what James is saying to us. Hey, you've all made mistakes, which means this. You're not perfect. Oh, but let me tell you how you could be perfect. It's like he's dangling a carrot in front of us. Let me tell you how you could be perfect. You could tame the tongue. You could do that. But then later on he goes, but you can't do it. But I'm dangling this out. Oh, oh, and by the way, if you could tame the tongue, guess what else you could do? You could tame all kinds of areas of your life. But you can't. <laughs> Bam! Right? It's like slam dunk. It's like crush me, man. Crush me. Right? So then James goes on and he goes, let me tell you why you can't tame the tongue. In essence, okay, I'm, I'm just bringing the question up based on what I'm reading here. Let me tell you why you can't tame the tongue. Look at verse 6. These are all scriptures we read already. Right? He goes, look, let me tell you why. Because among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. You're like, what? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. There's no hell setting my tongue on fire. Oh, yeah? Maybe go back and like re-listen to all the words you said last week. And you're going to find that there's more of that than you wished was alive inside of us. It's like the tongue set on, set on fire by hell itself. It's almost as if the tongue is empowered by hell. It's directed by hell. It's inspired by hell. This is one of the reasons why you can't tame it. And it's so true because all of us have had moments when we spoke a word that seemed like a forest fire of harm, destruction, division, and separation. And it just divides people. He goes on, he goes, let me tell you some more reasons why you can't tame the tongue. Look at verse 8. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Again, so encouraging scripture. Man, it, it can't control itself. It just has to get out. Like you're trying to control it. And it's like, I'm restless. I'm just going to say it anyways. It was in the back of your mind. And then before you know it, it's coming out of your mouth. And someone else is picking it up with their two ears. Oh, and it was evil, and it was poisonous, and it caused more harm than you wanted to. In verse 9, he goes on, he says, sometimes, let me tell you why else you can't control it, because sometimes it praises the Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Some of you, literally on the way to church, were in an argument, and words were being spoke that were hurtful and damaging, and then you came in here, and what did your tongue instantly start doing? praising God with that very first song. You lived it out. Some of you, unfortunately, that was you. And it's just almost as if my tongue then is bipolar or it has a mind of its own. So are we doomed to live with a mouth that would wound and hurt others? Is this just our future? Are we doomed for this? Where in the world is the hope? And I got good news for you. Because in this passage, I also find an incredible amount of hope. In statements like this, verses 3 and 4, where he says, look, we can tame a large horse. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. I want to encourage you today. right? If a horse can be tamed with a small bit, then there's hope for you. If a small rudder can direct the ship through a storm, there's hope for you, right? Look at verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals. 
birds, reptiles, and fish. I got good news for you, right? If a bird can be trained to fly a message from point A to point B, there's hope for you. If a snake can be charmed by an instrument being played, there's hope for you, right? And if a dolphin can be trained to follow all kinds of commands and do tricks, there's hope for you. Look, man, God's creation isn't better than you. God's creation isn't more powerful than you. So where is the key? We always want the key. What's the key that unlocks this? What's the key that really allows me to tame the tongue? And you know what? It was right in the middle of the passage the entire time. It just happens to be that maybe, as we've been looking at it, we haven't been interpreting it correctly, or we haven't been putting the emphasis in the right place. So let's go back, because the key is sitting right there in James chapter 3, verses 7, and the beginning of 8, and we've already read it all separately. It says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. Let me tell you what he's trying to say here. He's trying to say in this entire passage, you and your human strength, it's impossible for you to tame the tongue. Sure, all these other things can be tamed. I want you to have hope in that. But you, in and of yourself, you can't tame it. It's impossible. It's fueled by hell itself. You can't do it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and submission to the Holy Spirit, you can. Guys, that's our only hope. When you read this passage, that's what we are left with. In and of ourselves, we can't. But thank God he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit who can. And there's this submission There's this obedience, this like lowering ourselves so that he can be glorified through us. That's what this passage is trying to tell us. This passage is trying to say to us that, look, we're all going to fall. We all are going to have many mistakes. So what do we do? We repent and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us. That's what we do. That's where we start. Then we also ask the Holy Spirit to help filter our thoughts before they become words. How many people need that? Filter my thoughts before they become words. Look, there's this guy in the Bible, his name is Peter. He's one of the original 12 disciples, one of the apostles. Peter, he's known for a few things. One of the things he's known for is denying Christ three times. He said to Jesus, I'll never do that. Like, that's not who I am. I love you. I'll follow you. I will give my life for you. Jesus gets arrested. He's being flogged. He's being put through this kangaroo court trial before he goes to the cross. And what does Peter do? In a very short period of time, during one evening, with his own words, he denies Jesus how many times? Some of you guys know the story. He denies him three times. Three times he says words of death. Jesus dies on the cross. He's resurrected. The Bible says he's with them for 40 days. Peter is one of those people. Jesus ascends into heaven, says, go and pray and wait in the upper room for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. He goes and he prays and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He goes out into the street that next morning and preaches a message to thousands and with his own words, in his own mouth, 3,000 people are led to the the salvation grace of Jesus Christ. He goes from a man whose words bring death, right, and denial to words that bring life and power and salvation for others. See, here's the truth. What's in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. Yeah. 
This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 about the whole issue. He goes, for whatever is in your heart determines what you Did you catch that? Whatever's in your heart controls this. Whatever's in your heart controls, it determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So the more God owns the heart, the more healing words will flow out of your mouth. So our big move today is this. Our big move is to move just like Peter did. Move to the power of the Holy Spirit. Our big move today is to seek the Holy Spirit and to say, in and of myself, your word is clear. I can't control this. But this little thing brings life and death. I want to be somebody who speaks life. I want to speak life to my, to my spouse. I want to speak life to my kids. I want to speak life to my employees. I want to speak life to my, my employer. I want to speak life when I'm in Walmart shopping, uh, right? When I'm in the grocery store shopping. I want to speak life to my extended family. That's who I want to be, but I can't do it on my own. It's, it, it's not just a sign of weakness. It, it's the way we were created so that we could cry out to God like Peter did and says, empower me, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Our move today is to come before God and say, fill me with the same Holy Spirit that Peter was filled with so that my words can start bringing life. And if that's you today, if you're here today and you're like Jeff Baker and you would say, I need the power of the Holy Spirit, just like Peter received the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can speak words of life, then I want you to stand both here in Kearney, Ogallala, and online and wherever you're watching right now. If that's who you are, you're like, that's what I need. I need the power like Peter had so that my words can bring life. Because out of my heart, where the Holy Spirit lives, is where words of life are going to come. Now watch this, right? We read a scripture James chapter 3, verse 2. If you could control the tongue, you would be made perfect. And every other part of your life would be perfect as well. Let me tell you where that starts. It starts right now. When my heart becomes perfect, filled with the Holy Spirit, then my tongue can be controlled. Then other parts of my life can be controlled. Not because you're good, but because the power of the Holy Spirit in you is sufficient enough. That's how the outside of the cup becomes perfect, is when the inside becomes perfect. So today, in a moment, when the worship team comes and they lead us, would you just use this worship to be less about singing the words with the worship team and be more about you crying out to God? God, would you fill me with the same Holy Spirit? Would you baptize me with the same Holy Spirit that baptized Peter so that my words might be life-giving? Would you guys just close your eyes all across this place and in Ogallala online, everywhere else? Would you just close your eyes? And I just want you to think about that. Holy Spirit, would you baptize me with the same Holy Spirit that baptized Peter so that my words will bring life? While you're thinking about that, don't let these things hold you back. Don't let the words that have wounded you, that are in your heart, that are trying to identify you, don't let them hold you back. Those words spoken by another man or woman are not who you are. You are a child of God. It's the words that God says about you that matters most. And if there's words that have been spoken out of your mouth that have brought harm, right, to others, 
and you're thinking about those right now, and you're thinking about how imperfect you are, here's what I want you to do. I want you to flip that around. Don't let it be ammunition against you. Let it be ammunition that causes you to move towards Christ. Repent of those words right now. Don't let those words hold you back. All right? So let me pray for you. Come on, let's pray. Lord, right now, at this church, wherever anyone's listening right now, Lord, I'm asking for a supernatural move of your Holy Spirit to those who are hungry, you will fill them. To those who are thirsty, you will fill them up. To those who cry out to you like Peter did in that upper room, and he went from his words bringing death and denial to his words bringing life and life everlasting to others. Lord, may we cry out to you right now. Church, I encourage you, cry out to God right now and ask him, Holy Spirit, would you fill me with the same Holy Spirit? Would you baptize this church with the same Holy Spirit that baptized Peter that would transform our words? We're not good enough. We can't tame it, but your Holy Spirit can. And we want to be a church that speaks words of life in Jesus' name. So come on, guys. As we worship, let's seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.